0: When the, um, the Buddha died, or as they put it in the suttas, attained parinibbana, before he, he died, he left, he didn't leave a successor as such for his, um, for the order that he had established, for the movement that he had cultivated during his lifetime. He said, let the dharma and the vinaya be your guide. Let this guide your practice, the dharma being the teachings. And the vinaya is translated as the the, um, code of discipline, of observances that are undertaken by monastics, but also undertaken by lay practitioners. And these boil down to the five ethical precepts, which we'll look at just now, and then various observances that are to do with requisites, how we live in the world, and living simply, and if you're a monastic, living in a renunciant way, and then how to conduct relationships and how to deal with disputes and so on and so on. It's a huge body of work, actually, the Vinaya Pitika, the three main baskets of Buddhism. The Sutta Pitika, which which records all the dialogues that the Buddha had with various people, and in those dialogues, the transmission of his teachings, the Abhidhamma, which was probably a later development... Of a, of a, it really is a very detailed systematic system of, of psychology, but also of tracking the mind in its mundane dimension and its transcendent dimension. And then the third main body of work is called the Vinaya Pitika which is an interesting body of work because, because it's, it lays out how these trainings evolved and the stories behind them. All of the trainings that the Buddha laid down were always in a response to someone doing something and people complaining about it and then some kind of training rule would be established. But all of it, if you boiled all of that down in terms of living in the world, you would come to these five great standards or ethical precepts that support skillful living and therefore support the meditation practice. The meditation practice is built on our training of living more um, impeccably in the world, and so that we create the least um, unwholesome effect around us which helps to maintain not only social cohesion but also internal psychological cohesion which is necessary really or helpful and supportive for the cultivation of this, this inner work of, of samatha and samadhi and insight. What's interesting about the way these precepts are, are framed is that they each of them has in the original text like the first precept pana dipatavera aniccaparadana which means i undertake the training to refrain from intentionally taking life the word sikaparadana means to train so it has the, in, embedded in the idea, rather than some fixed right and wrong, there'll be a spectrum of training in regard to each of these guidelines. For example, some of the Ajans in rural Thailand talk about trying to encourage local people to start using that precept at the level of not trying to kill each other. You know, not to, or in, then in the monasteries to really respect all life and not even take the life of a mosquito, to strain the water, and so on. So there's a whole gradation of application and engagement with each of the precepts as we start to contemplate them. But what each of them do, the territories that they work with, highlights sort of like zones that we're moving into where it's sort of like saying be careful here these territories are territories if we act unconsciously they create they tend to be around intentions and actions that will create the most difficulty for us and others so they're like sort of like red lights that go boop 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 <laughs> <Okay. laughs> this is an area that, to be more mindful around so this panadipatavarapminisikapadan ami pana, connected with the word prana, means breathing, all breathing things, all sentient things. To undertake the training, to train ourselves to, from intentionally taking life, from intentionally harming. Um, so obviously if one steps on a bug... And one doesn't know it, that's very differently, different mind moment or different intentionality than, than killing or taking the life. So it's it's a very, I mean, if everyone just kept this precept, we'd live in a very different world. And it's about saying, you know, like in Titna Han, looks at this also in a way of um, how not to hold harmful thoughts and project onto ourselves in harmful ways, so that even sometimes the way that we hold ourselves can be quite violent. So it's this very subtle training of mind to purify the intentions and the projections of the mind that are connected with with violence to the expression of that mind in action. And that might then we might begin to think about when we start to consider this preset, how we live in the world and what the consequences are of what we eat and what we wear and what we buy and what we subscribe to and what companies we engage and what corporations are doing. And So it's a, it's, these are very big territories as we start to think of this guideline. How can I honour this and work within the capacity that I can do as a training? knowing that there's going to be lots of gray areas that we'll have to negotiate and then make decisions around you know do you put flea powder on your dog or do you <laughs> these these things but you know the, the you know you know what I what I can say to that is if whatever decision one makes about any engagement where there might be some question a question of to the align, alignment with this precept is to stay as aware as possible, so we really feel the consequences of what we're doing, and let that be the guide. Because underpinning these precepts is the is the attunement to our inner wisdom and our inner conscience. In Buddhism, they call the conscience hiri and utpala, which are faculties which help. They're called guardians. They guard the mind. They guard the world. They're faculties of sensitivity that can feel when there's been wrongdoing. It's different than guilt, which is a negative mind state in Buddhism, and actually ultimately not that conducive. It's a projection on the self. It's not so much the self is bad, but the action might be reprehensible, or the action might have been unskillful, and we should reflect on the results and feel the results so we can learn in the you know we're always learning, saying well actually I, I really I really want to not do this. You know, I really want to refine this and not do this action or to support harmlessness in this way. So it's an ongoing refinement. so if we approach it from the sense of guilt and shame, then we actually won't really mature at a deeper level of conscience. This is why it's called sikapadan to train. The second one, adina dana veratmani sikapadan I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not given. So again, this can be on a very coarse level. I used to say not robbing a bank, but of course the banks are robbing us. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> we should be robbing the banks back. You know, so it's all relative. But um, to you know to really be careful about what you know is this really meant for us? And uh, in a monastery, it get very refined. You know, is, can I take this pen? Does it belong to someone? And we assume things also. In relationships, in the world that you know, we, that we owe things from others emotionally, or you know, but we can't assume anything. We we have to th- we have to check: is this something that's really offered? Is this something that I can take? Is this something I can use? Is this, or am I infringing on someone else's property, someone else's sense of territory? You know, so am I acknowledging if I am using? You know, so this is again a refinement from a very inner, subtle sort of reflection to just being careful about you know being as impeccable as we can, so that we don't bring upon ourselves some sort of um, accusations or You know what happens when we start to grow in this precept is that it increases trust. The positive side is that we create a field of trust around us. You can imagine if, if people were stealing from each other here in this retreat, you know, we would have to be. It would be hard to do this work. We'd be very paranoid. So that trust is very precious, and you, you know, we assume a lot of trust. And when you move into societies or places where there's a heightened lack of it, through all sorts of reasons, it really makes an impact. And it makes an impact psychologically, and it makes an impact on the whole field, and paranoia in the mind, and the fear in the mind. The third preset, Khamesumichacaraveratmanisikapa samādhiyami. Kama kamesu is really about using the senses, but it's also involves sexuality, senses and sexuality, to use uh, these very powerful senses and the se- sexual energies in ways that are not generating harm. And this is usually the reflection that's usually coupled with this precept is to to refrain from um, moving in on an already betrothed or agreed relationship. You know, so that one's very respectful around relationships where people are already committed to each other, not endangering those, which is, can really happen for all of us when the, the passions are very heightened. Not exploiting or abusing vulnerable people or minors, so this is, uh, you know, being very careful that engagement into in intimacy is consensual, and with, you know, this is also sometimes refined into how we use the senses, um, so that we don't become jaded. Uh, and again, Tipitaka hands kind of interesting to read about how he refines these precepts in a very beautiful way. And again, this, this is a difficult territory because there is so much shaming and complexity around sex, our sexual energies, and it's not, and, it's, and the way religions have been taught over centuries through the, the moralisation and the control and the condemnation, either of sexual orientation or of sexuality itself, that 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 it's that one almost doesn't like to get to this territory because it's been there's been so much convoluted wounding and and um, imposition in that's, that's inappropriate on people's uh, sexual behaviour. But I think the guideline is actually very helpful when we understand that what it's about is actually responsibility and uh, marrying our sexuality with, with responsibility and consensus and care and not exploiting the fourth precept, which is probably the one that's the trickiest for all of us, which is about speech, musawada weratmini sakapadansa I undertake the precept to refrain from speech that is harmful, divisive, harsh, false. These are the traditional categories um, to. You know, I, I I think this is a difficult one to really speak authentically. To try and speak in a way that that isn't intentionally divisive. It doesn't mean to say one doesn't name divisive issues or behaviours. You know, to learn how to do this, it doesn't mean that we just say nice things all the time. It doesn't mean that we can't speak truth. But it it's how how we do this and how you know. I mean, there's lots of trainings in Buddhism and and in contemporary life about working to um, work with our speech in more careful ways learning to put things in ways that people can hear better and just exploding which I've done sometimes and it's a mess and it's difficult and you have to you know it's a really difficult karma to clean up when anyone gets upset and then speaks uncarefully or false speech, being really considering—is this true or not? You know, am I spreading something that? Because it can be very harmful when when people lie. Actually, we had some incidents in our work in South Africa where there's there's you know people engaging in really um, divisive and and false re- recollections of of incidents to cover dishonest behavior and it really is um, really devastating and we can see in our political dialogue that how the, the distortions of truths and the, the currency of lies just undermines our basic sanity and health and trust again so it's, it's very powerful this faculty of speech and how we can learn to use it and, and how sometimes not to speak we don't think we can really, you know, sometimes silence can be a power too. If, uh, if it's a situation that's hard to really speak into for various reasons. So this is a, you know, this is a training. You know, we're bound to err, we're bound to, but we're to keep reflecting. Reflecting on the results, reflecting on how it feels in our communications. And that would be our guide. And the last one, Sura suramiraya majpamadatana verapmanisikapadhan samadhiyami. I undertake the chain to refrain from intoxications which lead to carelessness. And this one's about really respecting the instrument of our consciousness, that we're working with our ordinary consciousness in this awakening process, whatever it's like, dull or difficult. And then how we then use all manner of intoxicants to distort our consciousness or perk us up or shift our, you know, into, again, a whole range of levels from addictive really strong addictive tendencies that are quite harmful or very harmful and destructive to ourselves and others to, you know, just maybe knocking back too many cups of coffee in the day and making ourselves a bit crazy and manic, you know, or just being stuck to... The TV screen, or something. you know, it's just all of these, uh, these, this whole range of, 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 you know, we're going, we're going to feel our addictive tendencies, that because we we're a little crazy until we're awakened. So, and they're going to, there's going to be this wanting to absorb to alleviate our suffering and our difficulty and our stress, in our addictive ways. You know, that's going to happen, and so it needs a lot of compassion, but it also sometimes needs a firmness. Like for some people, if they, if they have strong addictive tendencies, sometimes it's just to say no. Just, you know, in some realms, just to say no. And, uh, as a training, just no, are not, not going to do this behaviour anymore. And to steer clear and to make a vow. Uh, not because you're trying to be really goody goody two shoes, but because you know your mind and know your weak spots. You know, in other ones, one can explore what is the result of this, of this behavior, and what does it feel like. And, this, and I, I believe the more we really feel into the results when we're off balance, and, and we don't just deny that, that will inform us and help us bring us into balance. You know, whether it's around our habits to do with eating, or alcohol, or distraction, or, I don't know, all the different 10,000 ways that, as a culture, also helps us stay um, addicted, and unconscious, and um, disconnected. So, you know, again, a whole range to explore. Wherever we happen to find ourselves... And to undertake this as a training, little by little, to, to gather ourselves into our, our original health and our original balance. So there's refuges and precepts, these are the, what the Buddha left, the refuges and precepts and the Dharma teachings as his guidance for us to use this path and to pick up this path. So if you feel you would like to avow these refuges and precepts, it doesn't mean to say that you're signing in blood on a dotted line that you're now a Buddhist. It doesn't, it just, it's, you can just, you, this is one of the wisdom traditions, we can use this as a way to support our awakening. It's a very skillful template. So I'll, I'll go through each of the refuges, each of the precepts, and if you'd like to feel, you'd like to align around them, and this is something as a practice, you can take these sheets home, you can do this every week, you know, one would do it on the full moon nights, half moon nights, or you can do it every day if you like, just read through the precepts, you know, just to remind yourself. It's not that one does it once and that's it, It's a constant reflecting and remembering and returning to this framework. So it starts with, on page three of this uh, sheet, honouring the Buddha, Namotasa Bhagavato, Arahato Sammasan which we can chant three times, then we can chant each of the refuges three times. Butang, Saranangachami, I go to the Buddha, this inner wakefulness, the examples of the Buddhas and the awakened ones for refuge. Dutyampi, Butang, Tatiampi, Butang, that means for the second and third time. Dammam, Saranangachami, I go to. Gachami is always present tense, so it's not about. It's aligning here and now. I go to the the Dharma teachings which support awakening, to reflecting more fully on our experience here and now, and Sangam, Saranangachami. I go to refuge to my capacity to practice and to seek out others that support this way of awakening. So if, you, if you'd like to do this together, then please feel, you join in. If you don't feel comfortable, I want to really respect that, and you respect that, and you can just listen, and you can think about the themes, of the precepts, and in any way that feels suitable and applicable for you. <clears throat> so bringing our palms together for those that wish to avow... Uh, beginning by making an intention maybe dedicate ourselves to this practice of awakening by aligning ourselves with these refuges
1: and precepts Namo bhagavato Samma Sambodasa, Namatasa, Bhagavato No more Tasa Bhagavato what a Buddha, Tatiyamhi dhamma, Saranagacchami. Tatiyamhi sangha, Saranagacchami. And then with the precepts, I'll
0: chant it in Pali, and then chant it again in Pali if you wish to join in, and then we can say each precept in English.
1: Anadipata, where amenis, ekapadan, smadiami. Anadipata, where amenis, ekapadan, smadiami. I undertake the training to refrain from intentionally taking life. Adina dana. Sick up, Dang, Sma, Diammy. Adina, Dana, Edomine, I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not given. Come, Sime, Jaja, Sikapadan Samadi Ami Ame Sumija Jada Were I undertake the training to refrain from misuse of sexuality and the senses. Sikapadhan Samadhyami Musawadha Vedamini I undertake the training to refrain from speech that is harmful, divisive, harsh, incorrect. Suramayaraya Majapamadhatana Vairamane sika padams mariyame sura mera yamma japam adathana vairamane sika padams i undertake the training to refrain from intoxications which lead to carelessness oh.
0: taking these precepts as a guide for our path, as a support for our awakening, as a refuge to bringing us into alignment with the Dharma, knowing that whatever has gone before, whatever actions have happened, through whatever intentions, that we can always begin again in each moment, realigning with this training. And as we do so, Applying these moments of path activity through these precepts and refuges, surely the fruits will come about that will bring increase in happiness and well-being.